0: Father, we just come before you with with thanksgiving and with awe and reverence for what you will say to us through the Word and by your Spirit. Lord, I pray that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light, that our spirits would be strengthened. And Lord, that which is just right for this time right now, I pray that you would give me utterance to speak a word in season to these precious people today. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed. Said, amen. "Amen." You may be seated. And thank you. The word "abound" means to be copiously supplied. It means to be filled. It means to teem. Some synonyms and related words to the word "copious" are abundance and ample, and fruitfulness, galore, generosity, lavish, manifold, profuse, rich, superabundant, and teeming. Now, one thing we want to make sure in our lives that we don't allow ourselves to limit him. You know, the children of Israel did limit him. Now, we find a scripture over in Psalm 78 and in verse 41 where it talks about how that they turned back and they limited the Holy One of Israel. don't know whether you're aware of it or not, but it is possible for the Spirit of the Lord to give you some direction and to turn back and not to see the fulfillment Of the will of God or the plan of God in our lives. That's one way that we turn back. We know what to do. We're instructed what to do. But we don't always do what we know to do. And what that does is that limits him. In Psalm 78. And uh, we notice in verse 41. Are you all there? It says, yes, they turned back. And they tempted God. And limited the Holy One of Israel. So I want to encourage you today, don't allow your mindset the way that you think to limit God. Don't let your past limit God. Don't let where you came from limit Him. He does take the simple things of this world to confound the wise. And I know there's there's just a few of you here that qualify for that. Don't allow your ability or the lack thereof to limit God. We serve a big God and we serve a good God. Now, notice in verse 19 in the same psalm, it says this Yea, they spoke against God. Speaking against God will limit you and will hinder you from fulfilling all that God has for you. They spoke against God. Find out what God said and say the same thing about yourself, about your situation that God said. The last thing we want to do is speak against Him. So they did. They spoke against God. And here's what they said. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God? The answer to that is God can I have a question for you. Can God? Now, the answer I want you to work on today is God can and God will. Now, let's try that out, class. Say it with me together God can can. and God will. will. Oh, yes, He can. Daniel knew that He could. Daniel made it out of the lion's den because he had an understanding that God can. The three three Hebrew children made it out of the burning, fiery furnace because they understood that God can. And because they understand that God could and that God would, hallelujah, the fourth man showed up in the fire. And they made it through the midst of that fire. And they went through that burning, fiery furnace and came out of it without even the smell of smoke on their clothes. I got a question for you today, heart of the bay. Can God? Now you're getting it wrong. You're not listening. The answer is God can and God will. One more time. Can God? (laughs) You see, with man, there is a lot of impossibilities. But with God, all things. Are possible. Just think about what He's already done for you. Just think how that He picked you up out of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of His dear Son. Just think He brought you out of spiritual blindness into spiritual light. He brought you out of alcoholism. Now you're addicted to Jesus. Come on, somebody. I got a question for you. Can God 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 you're doing better? Yes, he can. And yes, he will. (laughs) Somebody says, well, but Pastor Mark, my finances are looking bad. Looking bad. Will I ever be able to get out of debt? I got a word for you. God can and God will. Yeah, but my body's been racked with pain. I've had this chronic disease in my blood for years. I've had this chronic disease in my body for years. But the question is, can God? God can he quicken your mortal body? God can he bring strength into your body? God can he cause your babies to come into the kingdom of God? Can he cause your husband to line up and quit being such a jerk? Now that may not have been anointed, but it'll work anyway. God can. God can. Our God is able. He's able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And he is more than more than willing. Jesus said in St. John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But why did you come, Jesus? He says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Amplified says that you may enjoy life to the full. Hallelujah. Have it in abundance till it overflows. We talked about last week how that one of the definitions for enjoy is to relish And we gave that illustration about putting relish on the hot dog. I think some of you got hungry. How many of you went and had a hot dog after church last Sunday? (laughs) Now, Mr. Strong says this of this word abundant. Strong's exhaustive Greek concordance says of this word abundant. That it is exceeding. That it is over and above. That it is... Abundant in quantity and superior in quality. And then he goes on to say, and by implication, excessive. I'm here to tell you that your father is excessive. He's excessively in love with you. He has excessive peace. He has excessive joy. He is an excessive God. But Simon says, I don't want to be excessive. No, you don't want to be in error. But you can be excessive when it comes to the things of God. Amen. Amen. Now, let's go uh, over to uh, the 23rd Psalm here for a moment. Actually, uh, let me see here what we want to do. Let's go over to this 23rd Psalm. Now, for most people, the 23rd Psalm is just poetry. You know, I've done a lot of funerals uh, since I've been in the ministry. Brendan and I have been in the ministry almost 40 years, full-time ministry. We entered into full-time ministry back in 1978. And so in 2018, it will be 40 years. Of course, we've been pastoring here. We'll be celebrating our 34th year here in the Bay Area in July. And to God be the glory. But we've done a lot of funerals over the years. And, uh, you know, this is a very, very famous, you know, scripture to read at funerals, and and rightly so. But for the large part, the 23rd Psalm, for many people, is nothing more than poetry. I'm here to tell you, it is the inspired word of the living God. It is a now word for your now situation. And in Psalms 23, notice with me in verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, we know in John 10, and we know in John 14, that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So, since he is the good shepherd of the sheep, and we are one of his sheep, then the 23rd Psalm belongs to us. So, when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that means you do not have to lack. It does not say, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm full of want. No, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What shall you not want for? Well, I shall not want for one thing, I shall not want for strength. Why? Because the Lord is the strength of my life. What else shall you not want for? I shall not want for light and direction, for the Lord is my light. He enlightens our paths. So he is your shepherd. And he says, I shall not want. Whatever that you have need of, he has plenty of it for you. And in verse 2 it says this. That he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he leaves me beside what kind of waters? He leads us beside the still waters. I like this when he said green pastures. I believe that's gourmet grass. You ever seen some of those sheep up in the pasture? I mean, they get so full, what do they do? They end up laying down. Well, that's a picture of us. Amen? We get so full of God's goodness, we just enter into the rest of God. We are satisfied because he is our shepherd and he's made us to lie down in green pastures. And what kind of waters is he leading us by? He's leading us by the still waters. He's not going to lead you into troubled waters. You're going to face trouble. You're going to face challenges. But he is your shepherd and he will take you through the most troubling times because he is the one who restores your soul. Amen. Amen. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, cool, clean, running deep waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. How many have ever had some trouble with your mind? Some trouble with your soul? Some trouble with your emotions? Well, I have discovered this, that Jesus Christ is the bishop of our soul. What does that mean, the bishop of our soul? That means he is the superintendent, he is the overseer of our soul. In other words, he is bringing restoration into the troubled waters of your mind. He is calming down your emotions. If you will just come to your shepherd and let your shepherd love you and let your shepherd restore you, he will bring you into a place of peace that passes all understanding. I mean, sometimes you just can't understand how you can have such peace in the midst of hellish situations. But that's what your shepherd is for. He's restoring your soul and is keeping you whole. He restores my soul. He restores your soul. And notice with me. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Now the next verse says this. Yes. Even though I'm walking through. The valley of the shadow of death. Yeah there's death on the right. And there's death on the left. But even though. We are going through the valley of the shadow of death. We do not have to be afraid. Why? Because he is with us. And his rod. And his staff. It comforts us. Go over to Psalms 118. We'll go back there in a minute. Go to Psalms 118. Look at that verse. Psalms 118. And let's begin in verse 5. Psalms 118 and and the 5th verse... says this I called upon the Lord in distress was David going through some stressful times but David called upon the Lord in his distress and the Lord answered me David said and set me in what kind of a place He set me in a large place. He set me in a broad place. He set me in a moist place. He set me in a place of rich fulfillment. He set me into a wealthy place. So in the midst of distress, if we will call upon the Lord, He will bring us out and bring us in to a broad place. He'll bring you into a large place. Now... I personally do not like narrow, straightened places. I don't like little narrow cars. You ever seen those uh, ads on the television or those little, little reality shows about tiny house? I mean, those houses are about this wide. I'm picturing Brent and I in the morning getting up. How are you? It's time to have coffee. Where's the coffee maker? It's right there. Just narrow and straightened. We could say limited. Limited. God does not know limits. He is limitless. This broad place, this wealthy place, this place of rich fulfillment that He desires to bring us into, this starts on the inside of us, having enlargement down here. If we are going to be brought in to what He has for us and what He wants to do through us, we cannot be narrow down here. I'm not talking about physically. I am not narrow down here. But I'm talking about being straightened and restricted in our spirits. Here's the key. We must open up our heart completely and be enlarged in here so that we can have the vision that God has the vision for us. In order to be brought out and to be brought in, there must be vision. And for there to be vision, we must be able to see as he sees. And so it begins down here. Say this with me, I desire in my heart to be enlarged and to make room for the Lord of and the King of glory. Now notice this with me. We're talking about yes, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not afraid. Why? Because he's with us. Now, notice this in verse 6 of Psalm 118. Verse 6 says, The Lord... The Lord is what? The Lord is on... He's on my side. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Now, don't let this be too simple for you today. Well, yes, amen, brother. The Lord is on my side. No, he is really, truly on your side. Don't let the enemy convince you that you are going through life alone. Get this down in your spirit real strong that God is with you and that God is for you and that you are not alone and he's with you and for you to bring you to the other side, to help you, to deliver you because he is for you. And when this gets real to us, here's what happens. There will be no more fear. There'll be no more fear. Now look at Romans chapter 8. And let's look over there in uh, verse 31. Romans the 8th chapter. Yes, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not afraid. Why aren't you afraid? Because the Lord is on my side. See, it's not a question of whether the Lord is on our side. The question is, are we on his side? In Romans, the 8th chapter, and notice this, the Apostle Paul, how many of you know the Apostle Paul went through some things? He went through some trials, and he went through some tests. He went through some difficult things. And I'm not here to tell you that you're not going to go through some things. But what I am telling you If you'll get an understanding that he's with you and for you, you can make it through. You can make it through to the other side. Now, notice this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What shall we then say to these things if God be for us? If God be for us, who can be against us. Since God is for you, who can be against you? Let me tell you something. He has always been, and He will forever be, at all times, and in all seasons of your life, He will ever be for you. Amen. There has never been a day in Mark Thomas's life That he's been against me. He has always. And listen. Before the foundation of the world. Before you were even in your mother's womb. He knew. That there was going to come a day. That you'd call on the name of the Lord. Before you were born. He was for you. When you were born, he was for you. When you were rebelling, he was for you. He wasn't for the rebellion. He wasn't for the sin. But brother and sister, he's always been for you. He's always been on your side. Glory to God. I don't know whether that does you like it does me. But, oh, thank God on the inside of me, I declare, since God is for me, since the greater one is for me, God can and God will. He'll take me through the darkest night. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Say it with me. God can. God can. And, God will. and God will. Always been for you. Yeah. Always been for you. Even when you weren't for him. He's always been for you. He's always been on your side. He's always been pulling for you. He's always set up, he's set up some divine appointments for you so that one day you would respond to him. Now notice with me. In Romans 8, verse 32, it says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us what? That's abundance, isn't it? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's praying for you because he's for you. I said he's praying for you because he's for you. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from this great love of Christ, from this great God who is always for us? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Peril or sword? No. Notice verse 36. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Read verse 37 with me. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. The Greek says that we are more than more than conquerors. That's a bounding victory. We are more than more than conquerors through him, through this God who is for us, who loves us so very much. In verse 38 and verse 39, Paul said, because of this fact, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Religion is talks about all that God is against. God's against this, God's against that, God's against this, God's against that. I think we need to exit that, and we need to start talking about all that God is for. He said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities or powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate you from the love of God, from the God who is for you, from the Lord that is on your side, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. He's abundantly for you. He's abounding in grace toward you. His grace, my brothers and sisters, is sufficient for you, for anything that you may face. Say this with me. His grace grace is sufficient sufficient for me for anything anything that that I may face. And so the psalmist said, yep, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not afraid. Why? Because I know that he is with me, and I know that his rod and his staff, it will comfort me. Amen. Now, how many of you are ready to eat some really good food now? Yeah. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Did you wear your shouting clothes this morning? Yeah. Verse 5 says this. That he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He says he anoints your head with oil and your cup. What's it doing? Your cup is running over. Now, let's talk about that just for a few more moments this morning. Number one, he prepares a table before you. Now, this word prepare there means he makes ready. He gets ready a table for us for some purpose or for some event. The word prepare there also means that he makes a provision of abundance for us. Your Father, who is for you, is the best chef that ever was when he says he's preparing a table before you it's going to be a beautiful table and it's going to have a bountiful spread i'll guarantee you one thing that your heavenly chef your heavenly father is not serving up bologna sandwiches now, you hear me talk about, Brenda, what a great cook she is. And if we invited you over to dinner some night, man, you may not eat all day because you know she's a southern girl and she can cook south. I like girls that can cook south. I mean, good. Not just good, but mm-mm good. And so at 6 o'clock, it's dinner time. And so the door opens and Brenda comes out with a tray of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I mean, nothing against peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But hey, you probably have this idea. Man, I wish I would have gone to in and out on the way. Because <laughs> I didn't fast all day to eat peanut butter sandwiches. Well, God's not out serving up peanut butter sandwiches. God's the best chef. Somebody said, well, now Pastor Mark, I know that there's going to be a table spread in glory for me. How many of you have ever heard of the Married Supper of the Lamb? You've heard of the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? But that's not the table he's referring to. Why? Because this table he's referring to is right here in the presence of your enemies. There's not going to be any enemies in heaven. This table that Psalms 23 is talking about is for the nasty now and now. This table has been prepared for you and it has been prepared for me to come and eat and be filled with all of the things that are on his table. Amen. Yeah. All you'll ever need from the time you're born again until the time you go to heaven is on God's table. Amen. So he says, yeah, but the the enemy, the enemy's at the table. No, he's not at the table. He's under the table. What do you mean he's under the table? Well, isn't he under your feet? Don't you have authority over that rat? Now, Jesus said this. He said, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So at this table that has been prepared for you, that's abounding over with the goodness of God, the enemy has been placed under your feet. You probably heard the old song that Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. Come and dine. Come and dine. The master's calling. Come and dine. Now here's the truth about the matter. Too many Christians are getting by On one cold snack a month. When God has prepared. An amazing feast. For them to partake of. Every day. Every day. You know Jeremiah said this. He said thy words were found. And I did eat them. And your words were unto me. The joy and the rejoicing of my heart. So let's ask ourselves this morning. What's on God's table? I'll tell you one thing that's on God's table. Healing's on the table. If you look in one of the Gospels, Jesus said that healing is the children's bread. Healing is the children's bread. In other words, healing belongs to every child of God. Our healing was bought and paid for on the same day that Jesus took our sin. Now, I know some of you may not believe that, but let me quote a verse for you. The scripture says that he bore your griefs, that's sicknesses, and carried your sorrows, that's your pains. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5 of Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now the punishment needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. But then it goes on to say, and with his stripes we are healed. The amplified says, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So he said, well, I'm not convinced. Well, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. The second witness that I'll give you is found in Matthew chapter eight and verse seventeen. Matthew eight, seventeen says this that Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Amen. That's not talking about spiritual infirmities or spiritual diseases. It's talking about physical diseases. Yeah. Yeah. Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities. And himself, Jesus, bore our sicknesses. Say this with me. What he took, what he took I, don't to I don't have to take. And what he bore, what he bore I, do I do not have to bear. So somebody says, well, I'm still not convinced. All right. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter two twenty-four. And this is one of the reasons why we're having the healing clinic... Because God wants His people well. God wants His people strong. God wants His people able to fulfill everything that He's called them to do. I can see many of you are cold guys. You better take care of it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. 1 Peter 2, 24. Let's look at that verse. It says, Who his own self bore our sins in his own body? Where? Where? That's Calvary, right? That we being dead to sins should live under righteousness. Those that are born of God should live right. Amen. But then it goes on to say, by whose stripes you were healed. Well, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So healing is the children's bread. Healing belongs to every child of God. Now, not every child of God is going to walk in divine life and divine health, but it belongs to him. Amen. Now, somebody says, Well, I'm at the table, but I don't have any healing going on in my life. It's on the table. Now, if you were at my house and we had a bunch of sourdough there right in front of your plate, and you said, Well, I don't have any bread, well, I'd say, just reach out and take what's in the bread basket and put some of that sourdough on your plate and open your mouth and partake of it the same thing is true with God's table it's there but we've got to reach out Come on, we've got to reach out with the hand of faith we must reach out with the faith that takes and open our mouth and receive into our spirit the health and the healing that belongs to us Say it with me, healing is mine, it's on the table, and I'm partaking of it every day. Now, I grew up in Minneapolis, and of course, I love my mom. You know, everybody loves their mom. And uh, she passed away when she's 96 years old. And uh, I went to a Catholic school, and, and uh, she was a good cook, too. But uh, I'd come home for lunch. And she'd open up the vent because she'd be frying me a hamburger. And I could smell that hamburger down the block. And my nose took me right to the table. But one thing my mom always told me, and your mom I'm most likely did too. We always ate around 6 o'clock back in those days. And uh, my mom always told me, now don't you eat in front of other people. Don't you eat in front of other people without offering them something. Anybody get a witness on that? But now, when it comes to the devil, you don't have to be polite to him. Our attitude ought to be in your face, devil. Too bad you can't have any. You're not invited to the table. You don't have a chair. Nah, 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 nah. This is mine. This is yours. Listen, friend, there's forgiveness at the table. Don't be so down on yourself and kicking yourself and condemning yourself because of your past. When the devil reminds you of your past, you just simply remind him of his past. Just remind him how the Jesus spoiled him in his own backyard. He whipped him, hallelujah, and took the keys of hell and death. And then just let him know that his future doesn't look too bright either. There's joy at the table. I think one area that we as Christians really need to work on is we need to make sure our joy level stays high. There's just just a ton of stuff that's trying to defeat you and delete the joy out of your life. You know, sometimes you've got to come to God's table and just take joy by faith. I mean, even if you have to just go ha, ha, ha and laugh by faith, like one preacher said, you might just, well, fake it till you make it. <laughs> Try it on for size. Just ha-ha a minute. <laughs> I've got a friend that calls me on the phone, usually two, three times a week. And I'm always not answering the phone call because I'm in the other room and I miss it. And I'll notice I got a message from him. Sometimes I'll get 14 seconds and he'll just go ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> so that's code for rejoice with me, something's happening. You see, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And laughter is one of the big, biggest ways and the best ways that you can release joy. And sometimes you've got to school yourself into it. You've got to make yourself drink out of that joy jug. Amen. I know what I'm talking about. I've been in a lot of services where I didn't feel a thing. I'm talking about not feeling nothing. And everybody's running and dancing and shouting and rolling. And here I am. Feeling nothing. you ever been there? Yeah. Oh be honest You've been there. Some of you are there right now <laughs> But there's a river. Yeah, come on there's a river that's flowing. It's a continual river. It's a continual stream of joy and peace and strength. Now, you're not going to get in the river until you step in. And sometimes you just got to step in by faith and jump in that river by faith. And you will find that when you start out in faith, you may start out in the natural, but the Holy Ghost will come upon you and the supernatural power of God will lift you. And bring joy and bring a peace that passes all understanding. Say this with me. The joy joy of the Lord Lord is is my strength. What else is on God's table? There's peace on God's table. There is so much peace available to the people of God. Peace in the midst of a storm. Amen? And then in verse 5, he says, he anoints my head with oil, and my cup is half full. No, he said, my cup is running over. That's abundance. The question I have for you is, doesn't he know when the cup is full? Our God is excessive. You go out on a beautiful California night. Or a beautiful Oklahoma night, and the sky is clear, and you look up in that wonderful, wonderful sky, and you see billions of stars. Somebody says, couldn't he just made a couple hundred? No, because he's a too much God. And he's an excessive God. Can you count all the stars in the sky? Well, doesn't God know when it's enough? Enough is enough now. This is enough stars. No, he's bigger than big. He's excessive. He's exceeding. You think about in the world, worldwide, there are billions. I mean billions of bananas that don't get eaten. I mean the monkeys can only eat so many of them. And we as humans can only eat so many of them. But bananas by the billions are not being eaten. So it says, why does God do that? Because he's excessive. He's a too much God. He's a God of not just enough. He's a God of more than, more than enough. And in this series, Abound, I want us to get a picture of just how big he is. And when we get that picture, just notice that he's much bigger than that. Too many stars. Too many bananas. Too much favor. Too much grace. Too much joy. Too much strength. Too much peace. More than, more than, more than enough. Can God, can God bring you out of debt? That's just way too weak. I've been up here 45 minutes now, guys. You got to help me out. Can God get you out of debt? Can God get you a promotion on the job? God can God will. Sure he can and sure he will. Can you face life's challenges without backing down and backing off? The appropriate response is found in Philippians 4.13 and we'll close with that. Philippians the 4th chapter and the 13th verse. I'm going to ask Pastor Tom to come, if he would, right now. And we're going to just thank God and rejoice over what we've heard. We serve a too much God. Thank you, Lord. Next week, we're going to start looking at the abundance of grace. Abounding in the grace of God. In uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter, in the 13th verse, let's look at this. God's word is seed. And so expect the seed of God's word to minister to you and to grow. I believe that all week long, you're going to hear, yeah, God can and God will. Maybe faced with an impossible situation, and on the inside of you, yeah, but my God is more than enough. Philippians, the fourth chapter and the thirteenth verse. Philippians 4, verse 13. it says I can did you know that success comes in cans I can I can I can do I can do what through who you can do all things through this Christ who's on your side You can do all things through this God who is for you. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, let's look at the Amplified Version. Y'all can stand up. Been seated long enough. Been seated for 45 minutes and one second exactly. That's long enough for any long winded preacher. (laughs) Philippians 4 13, Amplified. Let's read it together. Say it with me. I have strength. For all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient. Yes, you are. I can I'm going to ask our prayer room workers to come to the front. We're going to turn this church into a tabernacle of prayer right now. And we're going to ask those of you who desire prayer for your life to come up. If you want to be saved, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you have a need in your life, we're going to ask you to make your way to the front. We're going to sing a song, a celebration, a song of rejoicing as we go our way this morning, knowing full well that our God is for us forever for us. Amen. Just make your way to the front. Those of you who are going to be dismissed, you're dismissed.